So we wrap that up now, moving on to trending topics, uh, talking what's happened in social media in the last 24 hours. Our time is eight minutes past four. Good morning here on Sound Awake, if you've just joined us. We're joined now by Tiamo Malaji, our social commentator, friend of Sound Awake. How are you today, uh, Tiamo? Well, it's not the best Monday, but there have been worse Mondays. Did you hear, though, uh, our previous chat with our female truck driver? Because that, that would have changed the mood completely. <laughs> oh, you know, I should have caught it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so what's what's happening? So let's start. Uh, hashtag Natasha Mazzone, uh, DA Parliamentary Chief Whip, who's admitting to having no legal qualifications. And mm. uh, yeah, l- let's start there. So, I mean, it was uh, alleged uh, that uh, in the Western Cape, leader or by the uh, Western Cape lied about his qualifications then the party's chief whip also on Friday dismissed social media claims that she also falsified uh, her qualifications yeah it is really tough I mean they've dug a huge hole in the ground for themselves because they've built this entire brand over the years on is this person qualified to do this challenging certain people's qualifications and also fronting about their own knowledge i mean natasha mazini had that article where she said that public protector has very uh, poor understanding of law and now you're wondering okay where did that opinion come from if uh mazini is not qualified herself so yeah it's basically Twitter just showing the double standards of the party, the big hole they've dug for themselves. And it's a huge scandal, I must say. Qualification scandals Mm. in this country are always major. All right. And then we know in the case of Mati Gizela, he decided to voluntarily step down as a DA Mm. provincial leader for two weeks. What do we think will happen with Natasha? I don't think much. She's very important to the party's project right now. You know, they have their inner circle and... I mean, if, she, if, she, if she's so important to them, I doubt they'll take action against her. I've seen some of the excuses, such as it was other people that suggested she was an advocate or other people put it on the Wikipedia page, etc. Fundamentally, to be a politician in South Africa doesn't require a qualification. So as long as she hasn't actually lied about anything to the party, they'll probably just say, you know, it was other people that were making these kind of claims. But uh, apart from that, I think she's really important to the party, so they won't do anything. Okay. Let's move on talking uh, hashtag justice for Lindani Mieni. What a, a crazy story, this. So, mm. uh, you know, the Mieni family, the lawyer saying that the Honolulu Police Department is still hiding facts about this incident. So basically, uh, those who don't know... Uh, the, the, according to media reports, uh, officers from the Honolulu Police Department were forced to use lethal force when Mieni allegedly attacked them, injuring three of their officers. So this is when he went to a house to say something or to greet the neighbors. Then the neighbors said they didn't want him in the house. They called and said, we don't want this man in our house. Please come and remove him. And uh, this incident happened where the police were you know, dispatched to the scene and then shots were fired. Yeah, I mean, we I, I've seen the body cam footage because of the three officers on the scene, two of the three officers had their body cam footage on. We don't know why the third officer didn't have theirs on. And when you watch that footage, you see that he's being accosted late at night, flashlights in his face, disorienting him, police ordering him to get onto the ground, but only identifying themselves as police after they've shot. 
So I think the lawyers are saying that there needs to be more information, and the body cam footage raises more questions than answers. But what makes us all of this worse is that this comes in the backdrop of U.S. police regularly discriminating against black people and using lethal force predominantly against black people. So this is just another example of that. And the lawyer is saying that, stating the fact that they, the police came to the scene but did not, uh, you know, shout that it's police. And also mm-hmm. the mag lines that they were using were so bright that they could be blinding the person who they were being pointed at. So Mieni could not have, possibly could not have even made out what was going on because of these bright lines that were at him. Exactly. In the video, he keeps shouting, who are you? Who are you? Trying to figure out who are these people who are accosting him. The police also apparently or allegedly took uh, Mieni's phone as evidence. Is that protocol? Well, I'm not sure about what protocol is in the United States. Their police have a lot of powers, immense powers. They've passed many different acts that, uh, that, that specifically empower their police. And, you know, even after lots of uh, protests um, and uh, pressure on the police, they still give them a lot of power. So I'm not so sure about something like confiscating a phone. But what I can say is this police are more concerned about justifying their use of lethal force than they are about telling us what the truth is. Mm. So many questions as well, because the the second uh, officer who was coming to me and he fired three rounds. I mean, Mm. if you're firing three times at a, a person, are you not trying to kill them? That's my question. I mean, you are. At that point, you actually are trying to kill them. Yeah, no, uh, and they did. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's it's just a tragic story, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the wife, you know, well, the widow now, uh, Lindsay Mieni, who's saying they're calling for the complete nine one one tape recordings uh, and all the footage from the police body. I mean, as much as obviously that's needed, I just also feel a bit sad for them to now have to watch this over and over again and and just relive the trauma. Yeah, and you have to really force that out of the police as well because. Telling the truth is something that police in the U.S. aren't really good at doing. Okay, let's move on then, talking hashtag ARVs. So Zodwa Wabantu here in South Africa, our, I don't know what we call her, an entertainer or social, (laughs) yeah, she's what she is. (laughs) So uh, she had a show teaser which uh, went viral after uh, Mm. her bag fell and then pills spit out of her purse. And then this started a whole conversation about those pills being ARVs. And she's saying, but uh, let's own it. If, if that's what you are using to make sure that you're healthy, let's not stigmatize against ARVs and HIV AIDS. What do you think? Mm. It's always good when someone with a big platform, someone very influential, uses their platform to address social stigma. And HIV and AIDS is still a massive social stigma in South Africa that affects treatment for people who are HIV positive. So the more we reduce the stigma, the greater capacity we have to address this. I mean, uh, it's still actually an epidemic in South Africa, according to health definitions. And it's still something we're Mm. trying to address in our communities, but the stigma is affecting it. And a lot of people went on Twitter telling their stories about how they hide the fact that they're taking ARVs from their work colleagues or people that they know. So this, you know, can potentially help in alleviating the stigma. So I, for one, think it's good that we've gotten this person with so much influence introducing this conversation. Yeah, we've got a tweet from Spelele Ivan Bongo who's saying Tokyo Sekwale is trending. I guess we'll talk about that tomorrow. Do you know about that? 
Oh, definitely. He was on ENCA. I'm sure we've all seen that interview. But yeah, just just tell your guests to wait until tomorrow. Wait till tomorrow's <laughs> Pelele. We'll unpack that one for you. Okay. All right. So, I mean, if I can think of any person who would have been great to do this, it would be Zodwa. Hey? Um, in a way, I'm just glad mm. that this was her that happened with and, and how she handled it because we know she speaks her mind and we need to speak our minds as we when we say we, we destigmatize against Ooh, certain de- things. Definitely an effective campaign if yeah. you could call it that yeah. <laughs> absolutely okay then also on her though before we wrap up because you know you know i'm the farming girl so she did her farming business where she was selling organic eggs and, and chicken uh, during you know mm-hmm. the hard times of of lockdown do you think that she might pursue that and be an agripreneur in fullness well i mean <laughs> that would be great <laughs> she should i mean uh, it's a good thing to go into um i, I don't know too much about agriculture to uh, uh, the, the the entrepreneurship side of it, to be honest. But if it's something that people find passion in, they should pursue it. Okay, so you must listen to the show then Tuesdays and Thursdays. <laughs> okay, okay, I will tune in. <laughs> uh, no, it's actually normally after you come, we talk planting the seeds, our agricultural feature. So we'll just give you a heads up. Okay, so let's move then now to hashtag Zimbabwe at uh, 41, the country celebrating the Independence Day yesterday. Mm, yeah, I mean, I saw a lot of the tweets. Maybe people were mostly looking at the negative aspects of the country 41 years after independence. And that's never something you want to be looking at 41 years later. You want to be looking at progress that's been made. You want to be celebrating your achievements. You want to be looking toward the future with hope. But, uh, okay, there were some tweets where people were saying, this is my flag, I'm proud of this country. But a lot of the tweets, I think, were of a bit of a negative turn. Um, and it's always tricky with Zimbabwe because you don't know how, when will things change? What will be the force that changes things? There was this flag movement. There was uh, Nelson Chamisa, I think, gave lots of people hope in the recent elections. But uh, fundamentally, I just don't think that you want to be tweeting things like that. 41 years later. Mm, and uh, the president, Emerson Nangangwa, this is his fourth year in power as this uh, 41 years of independence is marked. He's saying that uh, he's done well under the Second Republic, as he says it, uh, to improve the country. So he's not agreeing with those who are saying there's corruption and political intolerance. Yeah. Instead, he's blaming Chamisa for that. Ah, it's expected. Yeah. You know, it's, the, it's the playbook, in fact. You just uh, you just take the talking points out of the playbook and you, you usher it. But, I mean, all things aside, Zimbabwe is a country that uh, a lot of South Africans look down on very demeaningly, lots of xenophobic statements. So on this side of the border, I think it's also our responsibility to educate ourselves, know much more about Zimbabwean history, what's happening mm. in Zimbabwe today. So this hashtag going viral, you know, even here in South Africa was also an opportunity for more South Africans to engage with Zimbabweans instead of just costing them out. All right. Well, we'll see how that uh, goes. I mean, yeah. Mm. Uh, but I mean, let's. Uh, I guess uh, we'll we'll be in solidarity with those Zimbabweans who want us to. Mm. Okay. Let's take a break and then we'll just talk on the last topic. Siamo. Uh, we need to to uh, cut a little bit. Just uh, gone now. Twenty minutes past four on Sound Awake, discussing trending topics with Tiamo Malaji. That's our social commentator. Sound Awake on SAFM three to five a.m. 
All right, hashtag Cape Town Fire now, uh, Tiamo. Let's talk about that. A uh, fire broke out on Table Mountain on Sunday afternoon, mm-hmm. and we were just seeing on Twitter, you know, the different developments to the story of what was happening. Uh, the uh, uh, Autumn Inferno, uh, which, I mean, they happen a lot in Cape Town, but this time this was next to the University of Cape Town and the yeah. iconic Rhodes Memorial Restaurant burnt down as well. Uh, let's talk about this one. Yeah, there's always fire warnings issued by the South African Weather Services around this time for Western Cape and Northern Cape. And you're right that we've seen regular fires on Table Mountain. But this one is, I think, more special because of the damage that it's wreaked. It came out of nowhere for most people. People had to be evacuated from residences at the University of Cape Town. You've mentioned lots of iconic buildings burned down. There's even been reports that important buildings at the University of Cape Town, such as a building housing African uh, archives, for instance, yeah. uh, an African archive library at the University of Cape Town also caught on fire. And the presumption is a lot of those materials have been you know, burned away. Historical information as well. So uh, there's a lot we've lost in the fire. You know, that's what fire does. It just eats at things. Yeah, I don't even know what can be done because it is a natural disaster. What does one do? And mm. I mean, as, as we said, this has been a, a recurring issue with uh, Cape Town. Hopefully, Western Cape well, will find... Well, I find that mm. a lot of people have come together, you know, uh, offering support, accommodation, water. Uh, if there's one thing we've seen, it's a mass mobilization to try and help all the affected people, at least. All right, let's leave it there for now. Then in training topics, Tokyo Sekwale will touch on tomorrow. Thanks, uh, Shiamo, for your time again, always. Shiamo Malaji, social commentator, talking to us here on Sound Awake.